episode 14, New Special Ed Teacher Answers. Today, I have Kayleen Durbin back on the show with me, and we are going to be diving in deep with the questions that she had in our last episode. Not only will you get to hear my answers to some of the questions, but I've been able to round up a bunch of answers from other seasoned special educators. So it's going to be a great episode. Do you ever find yourself barely able to hold your head above water? Waves of IEPs, data collection, assessments, parent conferences, not to mention lesson plans and seasonal activities are all crashing around you. You need help, but not just from anybody. Grab the lifeline that is the Help for Special Educators podcast. We will equip you with creative solutions and teacher-tested strategies so you can navigate the rewarding but difficult job as a special ed teacher. This is Lisa Goodell, your host. Welcome to another episode. Today, I'm excited to have Kayleen back on, and we are going to go through the answers to some of the new teacher questions she had from the last episode. So hi, Kayleen. Hey, Lisa. Thank you for having me back. Oh, great. Well, I've been working on my homework from our last episode, and our recording actually was quite a few weeks ago. And now I believe you have graduated from college, right? I have, yes. It was uh, several weeks ago. Okay, awesome. So you are moving along in the progression towards being a teacher. And I have talked to some people that have given me answers. And I've also gotten some written answers that I will be reading. So let's just go ahead and get started. I am ready to go. Okay, good. So one of the questions was this. Can you give some general advice for new special ed teachers or college students who are considering going into special ed? Well, one person who responded to that online was Jen Hunter, and she actually was a guest on the podcast several weeks ago. And this is what she said. Know that the experience is a huge learning curve and that college doesn't and really cannot teach you everything you need to know. Your first year will probably be very hard, but it will be so worth it and it will get easier as you go through your career. Thank you, Jen. That's so encouraging. I've heard that the first year is going to be very difficult, but knowing that I have support from my friends and family really helps me know that I'm not alone. Okay. The next response was from Colleen Vagnozzi, and I apologize if I said that wrong, but this is what she said. Get out there and experience the different disabilities children have. Learn to be comfortable around them and build confidence in your ability to teach them. Thank you, Colleen. That's great advice. I adore kids and I know I'll have the confidence with them. It's just the teaching content that scares me, but I appreciate your support. Yes. And you will learn the content. You'll get there. (laughs) Okay. One of the other questions that you had was this, what would the benefits be of teaching in general ed for a few years and then moving into special ed? All right. So the first response I have is from Tiffany Mignot. And she was a guest on the show at the beginning of my podcast journey. She was the guest for episode one. And this is what she said. I taught general ed before becoming a speech and language pathologist. And I truly believe this was so beneficial. It was a great way to learn classroom management, how to set up groups and understand how classrooms work day in and day out. It will be really beneficial for you. Thank you, Tiffany. I'm definitely going to do that. 
I had my elementary credential. I went in to be interviewed for elementary, but because it was a small Mm -hmm. town, they knew I was interested in special ed. So they actually put me in special ed right away. So my take on this, or I guess the thing that I would say is even if you try to get a general ed position first, it could be that there's such a need for special ed teachers, they might get you to go into special ed to begin with. So just something to consider if that ever comes up. Oh, that sounds scary. But I think just the first year just sounds all around scary. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, it wasn't so bad because I had been substituting. So I had been in special ed classes through substituting. And my mom had just recently gone back to teaching after staying home while I was being raised. And so she had just gone into special ed and I had actually been in her high school special ed class quite a bit. So when I took my first job as a high school special ed teacher, I had her to help me because we shared materials and we were actually teaching at rival high schools. So that was kind of fun. And so for (laughs) me, I felt more supported going into that. Otherwise, definitely, I think I would have probably been way too afraid to try it on my own without knowing somebody. Sometimes the thought of my first year teaching terrifies me, but I do know that the minute the kids walk in the room, all of that will be replaced with calmness and joy because kids are just so fantastic. Yeah. And you will find that you have other coworkers and people you can collaborate with and share the ups and downs. That is true. It's nice knowing that I have not only close friends and family who are teachers, but I also have social media like uh, your podcast, Lisa, that can really help me reach out to other teachers. It's true. That's great. That makes me happy. Okay. Here's another question that you had. You were interested in getting some ideas on how to work with students who have emotional disturbances. And we call this ED in California, but they do call it, I think, EBD or other terms in other places. So this answer comes from Heather Alexander Ayers, and this is what she says. It's best to work self-calming language and strategies into your daily routine for all students. Because most students with developmental disabilities struggle with emotional self-regulation to some extent or another. Zones of regulation is an excellent resource. The color coding and visuals adapt very well to most special ed settings. For kids that have intense behavior or emotional needs, review their file to see if they already have had an FBA and that stands for a functional behavior analysis, or if they have a BIP, which is a behavior intervention plan. If they already have those written, then you definitely need to follow those documents to the T and keep in mind what the function of the child's behavior is, which is like, why are they doing whatever behavior it is? If not, you should schedule an IEP for that child so the IEP team can conduct the FBA in order to write a BIP so you can get a behavior plan in place as soon as you can at the beginning of the year. Thank you, Heather. I think that is excellent advice. And it makes me happy knowing that color coding will help all students. And I never thought of looking in the student file to look into their BIP. Yes. And that zones of regulation program, I hear about that all the time. And so I have a link in the show notes in case anyone's interested to look that up. Okay. I have another quick answer. This is from Jen Hunter again. And her answer to this question is don't ever let them see you sweat. (laughs) (laughs) which I like that one. I think that for myself, I taught mild moderate when I was in the classroom. Now I'm more of a 
out of the classroom itinerant teacher. And I have had a few ED kids in my classes over the years. I don't have an ED credential. So usually I would only have them for a short time, maybe a month or two. So I really can't answer this question thoroughly. So I'm really glad that Heather did. But I definitely agree with the answers. And just that kids whether they have disabilities or not, they're usually pretty tuned in to the teacher's mood. So even though it's kind of like a joke, what Jen was saying, it is true because the kids will know if you're irritated or upset with another student and they'll kind of feed off that. Even the student who's maybe having a tantrum or having a behavior situation will know that. Even as a parent, there were times that my child would see how I was reacting to something and then they kind of react the same way. I think, Lisa, you and Jen make great points and it is awesome advice for me considering my future in teaching. Okay, here's the next one. Why do special ed teachers complain that the paperwork is the hardest? Okay, and this answer is from Tiffany Mignot again. And she said, for me, the answer is because there is just not enough time during the workday to dedicate to all of the paperwork that comes up. I end up having to take a lot of paperwork home. The paperwork is legal and everything needs to be precise. And so in order to make sure that the paperwork gets the time and attention it deserves, I really need to take it home so I can focus on it without my attention being diverted other places during the day. Plus, I love working with the kids. So for me, that's the fun part. You know, Tiffany, you make a great point. In the end, it's all about the kids and not the paperwork. But I appreciate you sharing your experience. Yes, I think that's probably universal, whether you're a special ed teacher, speech therapist, any kind of special ed type person. I think also general ed as well. It's just maybe instead of doing the legal documents, they have standardized testing and they have parent conferences and report cards and all of that kind of stuff. Here's the next question. What accommodations are the hardest to implement? Okay, so for this one, as I was thinking about this question, I thought it would be really good to get the perspective of a general ed teacher. So I asked two general ed teachers and I got audio responses from both of them. So the first one is from Kim LaPree. And so here's what she had to say. This is Kim LaPree from the Teachers Need Teachers podcast. And I have been either in a co-teaching or collab model for five years. And I would say that the most difficult accommodation for gen ed teachers is having a separate setting for testing. If you have a co-teacher, it can be definitely a little bit easier because that co-teacher can pull students and have them go somewhere to test. If you have a collab model, it's definitely not as easy, especially if that teacher needs to do the separate setting for each subject. So for example, I have a co-teacher and it's just for English, but if you're in a collab model, then that teacher has to have a separate test setting for all of the different subjects, and that can be really hard for them to coordinate. So definitely planning for that, because that also involves making sure that there's a space where they can test and it's going to be quiet for them. And also as a gen ed teacher, remembering that these accommodations have to be made. Some students, even though it's on their IEP, that they have separate test setting, they don't want it. So then it's a matter of, is it something that you offer or something that's required? So that one would definitely be the most difficult because other things like chunking the text or preferential seating, sitting by a positive role model, things like that we can definitely accommodate for, although some teachers still don't do that and they don't remember to. But it's always difficult to get the separate test setting part set up. Thank you, Kim. I never thought of it like that. 
And the other response is from Sarah Magalano. And here's what she said. Hi, my name is Sarah Magalano, and I teach K through five art and engineering. This year, I will also be teaching reading and intervention. And all the students K through five from my school come through my classroom. And so I do have probably more sped kids coming through my room. So when it comes to accommodations, I think the hardest thing is when a student has a one-on-one aid and the one-on-one aid is attending to other students. I find it very distracting. And sometimes I feel like my toes are being stepped on. Not everyone does that, but I think it's the most difficult out of any of the the other accommodations. I've had many different aids throughout my 14 years of teaching. One example would be a student that I had who had physical disabilities as well as she was getting help one-on-one for schooling. And this particular aid was very bossy towards my other students. And this whole class was a very well-behaved class, including her one-on-one. It got to where my classroom became stressful, (laughs) and I would have to manage an adult at the same time I was teaching. That's an extreme case of it. Sure, but Um, it's just something that you weren't expecting. Absolutely. Right. Because in my mind, this person's also a teacher. However, they were going beyond their one student and micromanaging the class around me, but not in a good way. (laughs) Right. Oh, well, and that's really helpful. So thank you so much for sharing that because for me, listening to you with my special ed hat on, that makes me think, oh, okay, how can I be proactive when I have my students going out to general ed, whether it be just a general fourth grade class or they're going out to PE or they're going to art with you, what do I need to do to prepare my paraprofessionals? Absolutely. Because sometimes they get sent out to check on kids or whatever else. And so that's a dynamic that some special ed teachers might not even think about. And so I thank you for that feedback because we can all think this through and then talk to the teachers and our professionals and make sure things work more smoothly for everybody. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for sharing that. That makes sense, Sarah. Thank you. Okay, and now for our final question, you just wanted to know general advice and tips that would be good for new teachers to know. And here are some written answers that I got from one of the special ed Facebook groups. The first one is from Tracy of the Bender Bunch, and she said, just learn everything. Everything is new. Everything is great. All those things that seem hard, such as schedules, grade books, and on and on. Even learning to write IEPs and lesson plans. You'll get it all figured out. You'll get a system going, and then you'll know how to manage it all. So that's just some encouragement. (laughs) And then Mary Fanning had this to say, learn as much as you can. However, remember to pace yourself and make time to recharge. Teacher self-care is very, very important, and you cannot be as effective when you are run down. And I think that's a good one because you're so excited at first and you just want to go, 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 go. But really, it would be very wise to actually build in that self-care time because at first you're going to think, I don't need any time. I've worked so hard to be in a classroom. I'm, I love my students. And, you know, there's all that adrenaline flowing. But really, if you do make sure to take time off, however you want to work it in, get that system going first and make that a priority, it will probably help you keep from burning out as fast over the years. Oh, that's really good to know. Thank you. 
Okay. This is the last response I have. This is from Heather Satterberg. She said, I was able to have a mentor my first year, which helped so much when I had to be observed by an administrator and for my first IEP meeting. Since everything is new and most of the stuff you're supposed to be an expert in, you've never done. So it's great to have a mentor if you can find one. The other thing is it's really good if you can try to figure out how to work with the staff. Like if you're in general ed classes, sometimes they're really helpful, but sometimes you might do something that's unexpected and there, there really is no rule book. So you don't really know what's right or wrong. And you might also feel like you don't want to ask too many questions because that might be considered needy. So I would recommend if it's possible to have a mentor or another teacher that you can talk things over with. That is great advice. Thank you for that. Yeah, I think that's really good. Even if it's another special ed teacher who hasn't been doing it very long, always having someone else makes you feel not so alone. I know for me, now that I'm a more seasoned teacher, I'm happy to help newer teachers. Of course, that's why I have this podcast because I know we need to help each other out. But I just want to let you know that all you have to do is thank them. Like I don't need someone to buy me lunch or, you know, any kind of thing like that. Because the thing is with special ed and probably with most teaching jobs, you pay it forward. I want to help people because I know I've been helped so much in the past. Just come into it knowing that you're going to need help. And then when the time comes, you can provide help to someone else that you'll do that. And then that will just help everyone be able to be more effective for our students. What I took out of that, Lisa, is sounded like you are willing to be my mentor in the future. Woohoo! Of course, I would love to do that. How fun. <laughs> you can count on it. So I think that's what I have for our show today. And you probably are going to have more questions, Kayleen, and some new teachers out there listening, you might even have questions and you can go ahead and send those in to me via the Facebook group that we have, which is called Help for Special Educators Podcast on Facebook. And hopefully we can have another episode in the future that focuses on new teachers or pre-teachers and answering some of the questions that they have. So thank you so much, Kayleen. I'm glad that you were able to come back on. Thank you, Lisa, for having me. It's been great. I will see you later. Awesome. I want to say a quick thank you to all the people that I read answers from. And also, I want to say thank you to Kim and Sarah, who took the time to record their answers. I love it. For anyone else out there, I would love to have your voice on the show, too, either as a guest or to be sending in answers to questions like we had in this episode. Please join the Facebook group because that's where I put a lot of the questions or if you just want to put a message on there asking me to be a guest, you can do that as well. The show notes for this episode can be found at lisagadell.com slash podcast. That's spelled L-I-S-A-G-O-O-D-E-L-L. I want to give a shout out to a couple of people for leaving ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. The most recent one says this, this is the podcast special ed has been waiting for a great way to support an amazing profession. And thank you to that person. And they just put some random letters for their name. So I'm not sure what their name is. I want to thank Adventures in Behavior for this review they gave me on Apple podcast. Lisa is such a kind soul and has wonderful interviews with special education teachers and other professionals. A great podcast for anyone in the field. 
Thank you, Adventures in Behavior. That's what I'm really trying to do. I really want to help people in the special ed field. So I would have really appreciated if anyone else listening would like to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. What you do is open the app and either search for Help for Special Educators podcast or just go to your library if you've already subscribed to it and then scroll down to the very bottom after it talks about the available episodes and then it will say ratings and reviews and then you can leave up to five stars. And then you can also leave a comment. And I would love to get a comment. I will give you a shout out just like I did here on the show. And I would appreciate anyone taking one or two minutes to do that because it really helps get the show out so other people can listen to it as well. Now, when I start to get stressed or overwhelmed about school stuff, I find it helps to take a moment to slow down, stop, and focus on my breathing. Sometimes I also might say the serenity prayer aloud or in my head. Here it is. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I might also add a few of my own words. Here's a sample for us special educators. Help us to listen and truly understand our students. Please give us words, actions, and solutions which will help in difficult situations. May our classrooms be peaceful places where teachers, staff, and students learn and thrive. After that, I try to go out and find someone else to help because helping others keeps me from selfishly dwelling on my own problems. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you heard something helpful during this episode that you can implement in your teaching. Remember, you are amazing. What you do makes a difference, and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Go find someone else to encourage, because they probably need to be reminded that they are amazing too.